Evening, everyone. Uh, welcome to TMA Sunday Night Live. Just remember, this is the podcast that you have chosen the topics and we will discuss them. As always, we are in association with the former Players Club. Uh, head over to facebook.com forward slash Tana Made Players. That's fronted by Lou for Blissett, what's favourite number eight, and also the 1984 left back in Neil Price. Pricey, so um, fantastic work in the community by those um, boys. So uh, head over, like I say, once again to uh, facebook.com made players, right? Um, I am the pigeon. I'm all, always joined by Canadian Darren Evening Fella, and um, we're also pleased to uh, be joined once again um, by Pete from Uorns TV on YouTube. Evening, gentlemen. Evening, pigeon. Yeah, not bad, not bad, mate. Um, just remember, you. I'll get him to obviously. I'll get Pete to plug the uh, um, YouTube channel as always, um, right at the end. But just remember, get over to uh, get over to YouTube. You on TV and show much love for Pete. Uh, fantastic work. Um, Thank you on the on the channel, mate. No, no, de definitely, mate. Fair play to you. Um, right, okay. So, first question up. Um, just before Zanzo evening, mate. Thank you very much, mate. Just get over to his channel as well and um, like, share, and subscribe on him as well. Uh, Scott Waring said, uh, Pete. It says, "What's the answer to our mess of a team?" Um, Bit of a bit of a nice easy question yeah. to start the evening. Yeah, let's go. Let's go with a low ball, eh? Um, <laughs> yeah, no, the, I mean, it's a question of where do you start. I think I think the fundamental question is going to be everybody's going to be looking at the Potso model and going, well, is it is it still working? Because I mean, yesterday was a great example where you've got somebody like Graham Potter who is a fine manager. I mean, he did some fantastic work out in Sweden, which ironically is where Hodgson first started granted about 800 years ago but he's done a great job there uh at Ostersons pulled the you know really done what, what Graham Taylor did for a small club but up over in Sweden he's come over and he's done a great job and he's been what two and a half years in now in Brighton and you can see that there's a difference from the fact that there's a cohesiveness to them a cohesion they've grown as a team since he's been been under them yes they've had a bit of a they had a bit of a difficult season last year but I think you can see that this was a team that was, you know, and whether you like the fact that they pinged the ball left to right and kept the ball and didn't go forward enough, as some people were saying yesterday, that's down to you. But they had a game plan, they had an identity, and they've had a very successful season. And I think everybody knew going into that game when we've only won four and they've only lost four, it was going to be a tough one. Um, so perhaps, you know, a long way round to it is that we might have to consider or the Potsos might have to consider evolving their model to have somebody in with a longer term view. I don't think they. I don't think they were going to do that once uh, Ranieri went because their long-term view has to settle down as to whether they start off with a preseason, either looking at the championship or looking at the Premiership. So I think that's what we have to have. We have to have something that brings us some form of identity. You look at all of the teams around Europe, teams like Ajax, you know, who will, you know, uh, but 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 a whole host of other teams as well. But Ajax are a great example who have a head coach but they have a whole club philosophy and the head coach might only last two or three years. So for example, the the guy now, um, Ten Hag might be taken to um, Manchester United because he's done really well. So they will replace him with a new, you know, short-term coach, but everything beneath them at Ajax is set to the way they play. It is set to their club identity. And that's something we don't have. We've had a disconnect from the academy. We've had a disconnect from the under 23s um, and a vast improvement would have to be done in order to bring that through. Richard Johnson and Jimmy Gilligan might be the people to spark it. It might be something really to see. But I think whatever happens, we have to evolve it. If they're not going to go and invest in um, a, a better caliber of player, especially at the back, I think we all know that that's been the big problem. Yeah. Um, you know, to, to invest in, in what's going to keep you in the premiership, which we haven't done. Um, then we're paying for it, and that's where it needs to start. The other, the other slight thing, and sorry, I appreciate I'm talking for for England. Here, no, keep um, carry on, mate. Is that that Roy Hodgson was always going to take time to turn these things around. He, he's done it at West Brom, he's done it at Fulham, and he's done it at Palace. At Palace, he, they brought him in about what six games in when De Boer was just losing everything, so he had loads of time there. The question for us really is, have we given Roy enough time to do the Roy Hodgson trick of turning the boat around? Because he does it, but he does it slowly. So, is it too late? We will see. I think that's that's the danger. But whatever we do, we need to get somebody in that we're going to play him to either an identity of the club or play to his identity as a manager. 
one way or t'other, we need to be steering in the right direction. Because at the moment, every time we flip-flop from one head coach to another, we are literally doing 180s every time. You know, we, we saw it all the way from when we had um, uh, uh, Zola. He was too soft on the players. So we had Soninho. He's too hard on the players. We then bring in, and it's like that all the time. Yeah. We've got to have some cohesion. We've got to have some long-term planning. Yeah. <laughs> so, pretty nailed it on the head there, Darren. Um, what do you, what do you might take of that? No, I think Pete is spot on. I mean, this is the thing, right? For me, as soon as you could start to criticise the posos in any way, a lot of people would get their backs up, and I get it. I mean, when people talk about in history, they were looking at going to Watford or Charlton, and they chose Watford. You see where Charlton are now. As I said before, the basic infrastructure of the club with the training facilities and the stadium are absolutely top notch, no question at all. But on the pitch, for me, honestly, it, it was kind of heartbreaking, really. After the FA Cup final that summer, they did not invest in a back line at all. They got Dawson, who was shocking for us. He's now turned it around for West Ham, fair play. But it, I think it was a gamble and it, was, it, it did not pay off. As it stands right now, number one, yeah, I, would, I want to see Roy stay for the rest of the season, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yesterday just felt like a, another new low for me. It just felt like, you know what, we're not going to do it. I hope we do. I mean, the, the, you know, if you stand way back and just have a cold, calculated mindset, 15 games is 45 points, of course it's achievable. But even yesterday, I think since Roy's come, he's made us much harder to beat, which is what was expected. And we do have more shape, but we are not unbeatable. And, and that first goal, um, that lamp, I think it's Lamptey on, on, on there. Yeah, on their right. Yeah, tremendous yeah. play. Tremendous play. He causes problems all day. Fair play to the player. But when it came to that one goal, again, for a second, we switched off. You know, Kiko was nowhere near him. It was a great finish. I'm not saying it wasn't, but it's just fine margins at this level and it kills you every time. But for me, I just think, you know, of course, I appreciate everything the Pozos have done, but they've, they've got to start looking for a longer term. And like I've said this before, a successful business model in any industry is a business model that looks at itself from time to time and starts to embrace a bit of change. They need to change things up, I think. You know, what where we are now, my concern, the negative side of me, is that not only may we go down, but I think when we came up, as somebody else was saying on a post yesterday, when we came up, it was a weird season because of COVID. It was empty stadiums. It was all a bit surreal. I mm. think if we do go down, um, we're going to lose a few more bigger players. And it's going to be very, very hard to come up. A lot of people underestimate the championship. It's a very, very tough one. So, for me, yeah, I think a long, longer-term plan on that manager, team manager side would be, or is the way to go. So, I think the posers have to look at themselves and say, yeah, we have to look at And I hope they do. But, uh, you know, to be fair, they're pretty bloody stubborn. But that's just my time. Anyway. I think, I think a, a lot of people look at it like you are on, uh, like like it's a continuum. It's a single line. Like you are either grateful for the Pozzos or you are concerned about the future. The actual truth is they're on separate, they're, they're like on separate axes. You've got lots of yeah. people who are ever so grateful to the Pozzos for what they've done. They have saved the club. We have seen some players playing at Vicarage Road that frankly, I can't believe that we had somebody like Delafeo. There'll be other people who go, oh, no, he's frustrating. But really, that's Cherry Delafeo playing in a Watford kit. Oh, my God. We've had the level of success, i.e. six years in the Prem and an FA Cup final, that only a savant-like genius like Graham Taylor could have delivered previously. We have never seen this scale of success repeated. You can be grateful for that, but still concerned about the direction of travel that the club is going in. Uh, we, you can still be concerned and be grateful to, to Mr. Potts, but you can still say, we'd just like to hear from you because we'd like yeah. to know what's going on with the direction of flight. We appreciate we are a satellite town on the edge of London. Bringing in good players to us is not easy. We don't. I don't want us to go and I, I was having a chat. I think I see Greg's on the line earlier on on, on Facebook and say, no, we don't we don't want the, the Saudi millions that they're going to bring in or billions in that case. That's not that's not our identity. I would much rather us be doing what they're trying to do, which is be smarter and do things differently. I've got that. But yeah. let people know why we're doing what we're doing it, to a certain degree. Of course, there's, you know, they're not going to turn around and say, we're looking at this player in Brazil because everybody will go and have it. Yeah, yeah, but, of course. But 
just bring us in. Let us know what's going on. Um, if they did that, that would be so much better. And if they confirm that, look, there is a long term development with trying to bring in one of your own. I appreciate it's not easy. I appreciate the things like um, uh, is it F triple P? I think it is. Uh, which came in a few years back, which means that bigger clubs can come and poach your youth team players far too easy. I understand that. But there should be a way that we can at least be developing some younger players again to come through um, as well at the same time and give us a bit more of that identity. Uh, that would help a lot. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think there should be some sort of law as well. It's a shame that you can't actually sign these players until at least 18 because, like, like you said, a lot of them get poached. But I, I like to get back on your point, uh, point, and I, Darren made some good points there, but the point of the fact that when we started this run with the Potsos, what their philosophy was is if a head coach goes, nothing changes around him. It's literally mm -hmm. just that head coach that goes. But the last say four years at least the last four four or five years once the head coach is gone his entire staff goes or at least be it probably two or three of them and i think like james i think james batcher said this a couple of um couple of weeks ago as well that the problem is that we've got some from say isco's team a uh, little from well ranieri certainly from ranieri's team we've got possibly one from silvers possibly even one from the ill-fated kiko route uh, kiko um, second spell as well and we need a complete overhaul like you said do do like the Dutch have done bringing these legends that are capable obviously of coaching but know the identity of the club then especially with Gilligan and Johnson these players that have come through the system they know the club they know the DNA of the club the right message is then being sent to the younger players they can bring them up through the system they know what it means to play for for the club and there's like you said that that identity and i think if we follow a similar sort of path that the dutch had done then um you know or similar sort of thing then i think we're we're on to a winner there but yeah i do well, agree the, with you the, mate the thing is with it and people will argue and they will be absolutely correct that that's not a short-term problem that's not right. a short-term solution to a problem that we lost to brighton yesterday you know because that's not going to change the result next year it's about saying could you put things in place that will pay off over 10 years time yeah. you know it's exactly what 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 ferguson did when he went into united he turned around and the first thing he did was he went to the scouts and he said i don't want the best uh, 10 players in manchester i want the best 10 players in the country set up the scouting network do it you saw that the moment taylor came in and i appreciate i'm going back to the dawn of time here with tom wally when he came in in 77 and it was go and set it up and go and do it and make sure you pull pull your he basically gave them the autonomy to go and run it, but understood the absolute importance of it. And five years later, you were starting to see players, you know, trickle in. You know, I mean, Callie was one of the ones, if I remember rightly, who was who was already in and around the uh, the setup. But he was one of a few who was kept and then therefore he got in quite early. But you then saw in that European run so many of those players who'd come through that channel, understood what it meant felt you know literally kind of sweated for the shirt and it's no surprise that if you look at the top 10 you'll see gibbs you'll see jacket you'll see um oh, oh crikey one oh, uh, gary, gary oh, porter oh, you know yeah. in that who who all played like you know close if not more than 400 games for the club that's what kind of gives you that that identity and we'll have those people who are quite right saying oh god you know how to identify with all of these players coming in um and not turning up as they didn't yesterday if you've got some people and you've you've seen them grow, you give them a bit more time. Yeah, yeah, you do, mate. And I think, okay, like like we said, the 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 now is not the you're not the short term plan. We need to, like you said, need to look at long term. I think, like I say, with that that route, we should have really stuck to our guns. Where you know, if we're gonna get rid of a head coach, the whole team stays the same. And I think the continuity worked for a certain time, and it, it's just completely. I don't know what I mean. They get, they keep saying they've learnt their lesson, but I, I do I do see your point about the Potsos. Where I am I am grateful for you know it doesn't look sound it, but I am grateful for especially our first you know the Premier League run before this one uh, you know semi final FA Cup a final that we haven't done in thirty five years uh, comfortable. I mean most of the time we you know we were never really in trouble most of that most of that time you know we flirted slightly but we always made it um you know under under Javi we were we re really should have been eighth or ninth shall we say but we had that 
you know, that mm-hmm. end of the season dip. I think a lot of people largely put that down to the fact they didn't want to get themselves injured and overexert themselves for the cup final. But yeah, no, no, I'm grateful for that. But yeah, like you said, we need to question where is this long term plan going to be, you know, say three yeah. or four years' time under them. And it's it's not something that's actually dependent on the first team position, wherever it is. They can put something in place for that if they want to now. Um, you know, to turn around and say, no, we're committed to bring young players through. But this is the identity. This is the way we want to play. This is this is a way that if we do bring in a head coach, that we want to play because this is what we are recruiting for. You know, in a way, I'm almost saying that the director of football should actually take more control rather than bring somebody in and go, well, you have a go. You well, have a go. Well, by Munich, didn't they? Well, if, if you go to Ajax, it's this is the way you play. You play a 3-4-3, three, three, yeah. and people will point out that the Eredivisie is not the same. But Ajax recruit from an 80-kilometre radius of Amsterdam, no further out. They will have the occasional players like they brought in people like Lippmann and and, and, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the like uh, in, in the 80s. But before that, it was just this, this is tight, this is what we do, this is how we teach them, this is how they play, and this is how they go out and make it successful. And you, as a as a head coach, have to go out and do that in that fashion so that everything behind the head coach was backed up to support him to play that way we just seem to you know kind of uh you know cisco had no pattern that was recognizable to ivich ranieri had no pattern that was recognizable to well anybody who'd watch football really but but nothing to you know to, to cisco after him and now roy's having to come in and you know really take them through the basics again um i just would love to see a little bit of continuity um you know in terms of that yeah, well, um, we'll go. We'll come off of that very, very shortly, mate. But like I said, Ajax and Bayern Munich do that, and Barca. I know they're massive clubs, and we're not we're not the same stature as them. And but they have that identity with the head of football, like Rummenigge was doing at Bayern. You know, it, you it's play been done. Way, it's it's been done lower down. down. Yeah. It's exactly. been done low down. Crew Alexandra under Dario Grady was producing players that would then go on to the Premiership, oh, and it helped. Out, it? Yeah, absolutely. Unreal, it? Um, you, you've now got Volodam out in the, out in Ajax, uh, who got up to Eredivisie for the first time, playing uh, d- just basically almost replicating the the, the quote unquote the Cruyff model, uh, as you might have. Guess I'm slightly obsessed with Dutch football on occasion, so there we no, go. No, I'm I'm totally I'm totally same with German football, so. You know, we, we could talk all day about that, mate, definitely. But, um, Darren, I'll come on to the next one as well, mate. Um, people, and I, I, I agree what Stuart's saying, you know, there's plenty of time to turn this around. Hodson's done it before. He's done it at West Brom. He's done it at Fulham, um, amongst the, uh, other teams. And like Pete said, he's done it at Palace as well. It does, the wheels do turn, but they do turn slowly. So there's still, a, still time to do it. I know we're running out of, um, running out of games, but, um, Yes, Stuart, you you have got a point there, mate. But Paul Style says, and people will say this is looking at negative, but he has put the, he has put this out here. How many play, these players will stay in the championship if we did go down? Hopefully, obviously, we're not advocating that we're going to go down by any means. We're all confident that we've got a, still got a chance of doing staying up. But how many players do you reckon? Glad you are. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, how many plays do you reckon, Darren? I'll, I'll throw that to you first, mate. Obviously, you drop Pete in straight away after. Yeah, no, I mean, <clears throat> first off, I can't see Carl coming down, dropping a division again. It would be a fight to hang on to Pedro. It'd be wonderful to keep hold of him. Um, I could even see Dennis going. That's that's a huge chunk of your forward line straight away. Um. From a midfield perspective, I don't know. Would Coco want to play at that level? You know, twice a week? I don't know. Um, I mean, some of the sort of like the January signings we've made, and again on longer term deals, hopefully, you know, they would come up. And, and the, I will say the three January signings have been very, very good. Our left back again yesterday. Uh, others have picked up on it too. He seems to get the club, which is lovely to see. Yep. You know, when it's just come over, he, he gets it, which is fantastic. But it'll be a challenge. And, and I think. You know, one of my good buddies is a is a Baggies fan, and of course West Brom just sacked their manager, and they it's it's just not a, an easy division to get out of. There's some good sides there, and I think you know, just it's not just the Premiership. You're starting to get wealthier investment in the Championship now, and other people coming up, coming in, and looking at building another club. So yeah, I think we could probably lose at least six of our regular starters from this week weekend. So very tough. I think it's very tough. And, and and for me, you know, it's 
I mean, this is it. It is not all doom and gloom. I get that. I mean, the old cliche: it's the hope that kills you. Fifteen games is still a way to go. Yeah. And Newcastle won today, and then Trippier went off injured, but he still got the goal. Um, so it's going to be it's going to be tough. I mean, that's what got me yesterday was the starting lineup. I, I felt I don't know Roy's cautious, and oh yeah, I totally get all that. But when you're at home with what was eight games to go with the rest of the season, I think you've got to try and go on the front foot from the start. I know Brighton, Brighton are a fine team, as, as Pete alluded to. They really are. But it's your home game. You've got to, you've got to give it a go, right? So, yeah, I'll, I'll pass it to Pete on that. So, <laughs> Yeah, sorry. I was just reading some of the some of the other points as well. Um, uh, Greg was alluding to the guys that we've got out at uh, out on loan. So, you know, um, Zinkanagel, Deli Bashiro, et cetera, um, who are all doing, and Hungbo's doing a, a pretty reasonable job at, at Ross County for Malky at the moment as well. So I imagine that they would be players who might come back in. You might see uh, Barr, who was, was brought in from Rochdale, you know, kind of reappear. Uh, he seems to have played more, more football for Germany's under 21s than us, um, more than anything. So I think there would be players. I think, as ever, I agree with you, I think Dennis and Saar would, would go. Um, and I think if you could get if you could get your money back for Saar, I think at the moment you'd probably take it. Um, you know, he's got to play his way into uh, getting a big move to a team that he feels he should be at. And I think we all know he should be at, but he's got to produce it on a regular basis. Um, and I think Dennis, uh, you know, I, th I think he's a fine player, um, but he needs to show that he can go for a season without having a strop at a club because he fell out with both um, Bruges and then Cologne last season. And that's yeah. why we got him for 3.6 million because he was going to have an argument in the phone box. Um, he's come <laughs> here and when he's scoring, happy days, it's all nice and we're all going well. But now we know it's it's testing everybody. Uh, even with his, you know, when he hit the crossbar yesterday, um, you know, he went and took that extra touch, that extra touch. We were talking about losing confidence. And somebody said on the, on the, on the thing, they've lost confidence. Yeah. I think it's spot on. You know, whereas if you look at Morpay yesterday, he hits it. It comes to him first time, he hits it. And he doesn't matter. If he misses, fine. Doesn't matter. We've got that brittle kind of almost glass jaw up front where if we miss, it's, oh. And it's, it, we, we should be trying to go the other way and trying to create more chances and taking more chances to have pops at goal rather than crossing the halfway line knowing chances are we're probably not going to have a pop here if you don't buy a you know if you don't buy a ticket you can't win the raffle as they say yeah oh, true yeah. mate true mate yeah sorry darren go on mate you go no i'm just going to say it was a really good point because in the last seconds of the game there was a chance for sissoko to have a shot but rather than take the shot he passed it off to loser and he kind of played the ball in wrong to him so he didn't really get hold of it and the commentary we're getting here in Canada was um, they were saying exactly that, that somebody like Mope, he'll, he'll, he'll take a one-off first-time effort because he's got the confidence yeah. and belief in himself. And, the, and our players are taking that extra time to sort of create the perfect opportunity. We don't always get that opportunity. And it's just like if you look back to West Ham last week, Bowen took a pop shot, ugly yeah. reflection, but it did, yeah. right? Very it, ugly. You know, it was very ugly. But I mean, you got to take those chances. So yeah, it, it's it's a frustrating thing is when you actually look at our forward line. The, the truth is that they are talented players, but they're not delivering. Right, they're not delivering. Another blank sheet again, right, from the front line. So it's it's tough. Yeah, yeah but we we've seen this before, haven't we? Where we have a. We score goals. We like Isco. We score goals. We we can't we can't stop conceding them. So that what we do is we get rid of the head coach and bring in the defensive coach. Defensive coach. We look sharp at the back. You know, look more or less sort of more organised. But then we struggle to score up front. And it's a it's a it's a vicious circle. You know, if we whether or not we stay up or go down, there'll be another head coach next year which will be looking at possibly going more attacking. We'll just go around in circles every time. We got like pizza. We've got to find that find that fine balance between um, defence and attack. And I think the problem is we're at the back when we do have these attacking coaches because, like like we've all said, because we've underinvested over the last three or four years especially, it's come back to haunt us. We haven't really, whenever we've had to buy strikers, we've bought strikers, but then lost sight and should we improve our back line and vice versa. When we start to score goals and we're conceding, we go and buy some defenders 
be it okay, cheaper ones. I think the likes of Kamara's done really well. I'll give him his due. But then we then we start suffering from the front. So we for some reason we just don't get that balance right at the moment. And I think I think part of that is the fact that Roy is we, we know he said let, let's be honest he's moved into a house where there's you know where the bathroom's got no you know basically got a bloody great hole in it he's got to mend the bath before he worries about the taps you know yeah. and and that's that's almost the order he's had to go in and I think we saw that yesterday I did a um, there's a up on you on CB there's a I did a, a boot room so I just do a little tactical analysis take some screenshots and and throw in my two penneth. But yeah. there was a couple of things that were really stark differences. Was one, and we started it under Burnley because it was obviously Roy's first game. We tend to defend as a back four and the four in front of that. So these two lines of four, the width of the of the penalty box. And what you saw against Burnley was that's all right, because unless Dwight McNeil suddenly, you know, turns one in, we, we're going to kind of defend okay against that. And they kind of didn't do that anyway because they had the, the new player who prefers it on the deck. But against Brighton, they absolutely had um, Chucharella on one side and the absolute excellent Lamptey on the other. Yeah. And it was what was really interesting was in the they scored that goal at the end of the first half. At the start of the second half, we had a moment that was almost it, it was almost a replica. Um, what happened with the Lamptey goal? The ball gets played out to him, and we don't shuffle across. We we we're set up with these four banks, but they're very narrow. They're they're there to defend the straight ball. The ball gets shifted out to Lamptey. He takes a touch, neither cleverly nor Kamara go and shut him down. So he plays the ball in. But as he does, Welbeck, and I think it was gross, make really excellent diagonal runs. Okay. And they take away Samir and they take away uh, Cathcart. And so if you look at it, Morpe is left in this kind of like 10 yard box, you know, because we're all compact, but he's right in the middle of it. Nobody's close to him. And the ball comes in, and he hits it first time. And before Feminia can even react, it's gone in and it's there. And that movement was the difference. When we had it, Feminia put a decent ball in. The movement was static. It yeah. was like watching mannequins. And they're all going, oh, well, why didn't it fall to me to put my head? You've got to create the space where there is none. You know, you've got to tug defenders out, out the way. Somebody's got to make a, you know, a diagonal run to the front post. Somebody's got to basically look for the drop back. There's got to be something there. And that's what I mean by the long-term benefit of having worked with somebody like Graham Potter as a coach and his team to go in this situation. That's what you do. And you saw it. And that was why they were able to keep it and move off of each other all the time. We got it. And it was like a hot potato. Unless mm. loser came on. Loser comes on, keeps it, keeps it, keeps it. But then somebody else loses it really quick. So I think I think for all of that sort of stuff, we've got to get to that um, as well as set pieces. So Roy's got a lot of homework to do. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But we'll, we'll, I'll put this out to you then because Sarah Jane Thorpe said, um, I'll put two questions at once. We've got Sarah Jane Thorpe says, have we got, have we got, um, have we got what it needs to stay up? And also how long has Roy and Ray last? Um I'll answer this first. I mean, Roy and Ray will definitely be here to the end of the season, no doubt about it. I, I even think, even with our stupid recruitment policy, I, I think they're definitely here until the end of the season. Um, like like Pete said, it's going to take it's going to take a, a few more games for him to really kick in. But I do think we've still got half a chance of staying up. But it's got um, it's got to start very very quickly. Put that way, it's got to start quicker than it has done in the past with um, Roy and Ray. But um, have we got enough to stay up, goal scoring wise? Um, you know, people say I'm mad. The last two games hasn't really proved that. I still think we've got enough up front to uh, to go. Think I do believe we have to start loser. Um, now he's come back from the Afcon. Now we need to start him a bit more. Give him a bit more of a free roll. He's one of our most creative players. There, he doesn't sit back as much. We need to give him more of a free roam uh, forward. Now, now we've got the likes of Ozan and players like that gone, who were supposed to be these sort of um, players that unlock. The defence and clearly they can't. So we need to we need to utilise loser in the the right role um, in the team. I mean, you, the example is look at what happened when after we had that meeting last season against Coventry with that mm -hmm. really really poor one all. We came out all guns blazing against Bristol City. Okay, be it the championship, but that changed. We put certain players in certain positions, and you could tell the difference in their body language and how they played. And we need a similar sort of thing this. Okay, there's not going to be a massive overhaul in positional change, but players like Loser, we need to. We need to fit him into a system that 
warrants uh, his talents because he's one of our most creative players. I'm not mm. saying necessarily our best player, but we're certainly one of our more creative players. And if we're going to score goals and keep tight at the back, we need we need players like him to um, feel a bit more relaxed because, like you say, it's a it's a bit like the hot potato routine in Sunday League. You know, too many players don't want to seem to have the ball. And if they do, they want to pass it sideways because, like you said, it's a safety mechanism, especially mm. like, like say, with the example of Dennis. Before, he would have just taken a shot there first time. Now he's taking that extra touch. And a lot of the time, that extra touch gets you gets um, gets enough time for the defender to get the block in. Or even, like the example on Saturday, it's the bar. Uh, otherwise, it would probably would have crept underneath the bar and gone in if he hit it first time. It's um, one of those yeah. things. But we, yeah, we need to um, we need to do that. But yeah, I'll throw that out to you guys. Um, you know, I have to ask it anyway because it's been asked. Uh, how long do you think um, those two last? Do you think it'd be end of the season? I certainly do. And um, do you think we've got enough to stay up? I think the horrible word is potential. The, the squad's got the potential to stay up without a doubt. But <clears throat> so much of that comes, excuse me, so much of that comes down to confidence. Um, and uh, the team, what was really noticeable for me yesterday, Brighton just looked that much more comfortable and fluid when they had the ball. You know, yeah. they just passed it around. There was a sort of a relaxed aura about them. And we didn't have that. You're right. It was like a hot potato, like Pete said. And then on the other part of it for me, yeah, I think Roy and Ray here till, till the end of May. I think so. And then who knows from there? Um, I just feel that realistically, we're probably in a league of four. And, and as it is right as it is today, Newcastle will top of that league of four by six points. So it's not impossible. Um, but it but it is an uphill task, and we've got to be realistic, and we've got to start scoring. And for me, when when you're at home, you have to start on the front. So that's my top and worth. So yeah, just seeing that point, uh, you know, well, Pearson was sacked with two games to go, wasn't yeah, he? And he was like, yeah. Cole, so you know, we, we we may think we're thinking logically here, but that may be the problem. Um, <laughs> who, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? I mean, um, on the do not scratch your eyes. Uh, Kind of mid-season thing, which we, we were both on pitch, yeah. and um, and and you you were the man who who was who was more positive than I because I said at the time, no, I think we're down, um, and that that was under Ranieri because it, it was it was already for me it was already too far gone, um, and now we've brought in Roy and Ray, and it's obviously it's taking time to move the boat. What I hope and what I think are two different things. I think we're down. I I truly think we're down, um, and because you know the amount of money that they've managed to, to 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 spend at Newcastle, you know they were the biggest spenders I believe in Europe. I think something yep. like ninety five million, and and they would have spent more if they could have got away with it. Um, but you know has made a real difference. Trippier has come in with a couple of goals and a, and a couple of assists. He's he's proving his worth. Chris Wood is is doing doing enough there Lampard is going in and kind of actually turning around Everton seemingly possibly or or you know perhaps Leeds and Brentford could be dragged in kicking and screaming perhaps but that that's hope rather than expectation in my mind um I, I would hope that Roy would be given the games because he's you know what's the point of bringing in somebody who takes eight to nine games to get them moving around and going after five well you haven't done anything have you well you know <laughs> yeah. read the CV Read the CV. Um, uh, interestingly, yep, so, yeah, Greg, Greg's, Greg, Greg's point about forget Newcastle, they're up and away. And I don't disagree. And we had an interesting chat again about that, which was um, uh, we, we were talk, talking on Facebook and my son turned around and said, um, I'm quite glad if they do stay up, it means there's two automatic places to come back up next next year. You know, that's a positive. And the moment <laughs> I went, oh, yeah, and I looked down and Greg said exactly the same thing. Um, mm. And I think I think it's a, a, a reasonable kind of way to look at it in, in many ways. Uh, I think the other thing to look at for next season, and I appreciate I'm being kind of doom and gloom much to think about the championship. But a positive is, um, you know, I, I wasn't quite sure how to take this kind of 50 percent pay drop if we get relegated, because I think it will mean that in some ways we're, we're even it's going to be even easier to get players to want to move because suddenly they're on half the money that they were. So other clubs aren't going to have to bust the bank quite so much in wage structure to get them. Yeah. Um, but in a but, but in a way, if we look back to 2019, our problem wasn't the players who stayed. 
uh, or wasn't the players who went, sorry, because a lot of people said about Jerry Delafeo, oh, well, he went and, uh, you know, he showed no loyalty. No, the problem was that Andre Gray wouldn't move and we couldn't shift any off the wage bill. And there's close to 180 grand a week that we are simply not making anymore because of pandemic and because we're not in, in the premiership. So I think we should hopefully be in a better position to, to be able to restructure, rejig, and hopefully bring in some of those, some of those, uh, those players who are currently out on loan to supplement and then go and have some intelligent purchases and bring them in. Uh, the young lad Espria from, from Colombia would be interesting. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, you'd want to see him in the premiership ideally and, and come in and make an impact, but perhaps like Pedro, the championship might be a place for him to start. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is though, I, I, I still think we've got a chance of staying up, but we do. you look at, you look at when we did, when we did, um, we're in the championship in the mid nineties, late and late, late nineties as well. You know, you're, you're saying 93, 94. All we need yeah. to do is sign Colin Foster. That's it, mate. Fozzie, Fozzie and Miller, mate. And, um, Holdsworth, the, uh, the Holy Trinity, mate. But, but, you look, you look at you you had the Baisleys, the Drysdales, the Johnsons, um, even the Porters and the Gibbs. Okay, they were the, like the mm-hmm. before before the eighties sort of youth team products. But you had players coming through that system that had that time to grow, and they knew they knew the they knew the club. You know, it was there was more of a sense of identity there. So that's one thing within the uh, we've been in the championship. We had Hungbo looking decent. You know, he was a prospect. Deli Bashiro before he had his bad injury. And, you know, plays like that. And even we had um, a couple of the under 23s we might have sneaked in there if we stayed there another season. OK, I was delighted we went up, you know, give it another crack. But if we did go down, then I do think you'll see a lot more of the under 23s getting a bit more of a chance. Like, say, with the Spreers and players like that, I think you will um, more of a chance to seeing them rather than in the Prem, where it's always for us, we're always, we're always struggling unless we have one hell of a season. So it's a bit more, I think it's a bit less chance or much less chance that we're going to see those young players, which yeah. is, which is definitely a shame. Yeah. Um, I mean, right, I mentioned just, earlier on, 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 on the talk, on the talk just there at the bottom that, you know, EPP, as it is, I called it FPP, I think it was, um, yeah. means that anybody can come in and snaffle them away as Man City have done with Sancho and the left back that we had last year. And it makes it very difficult to keep them. It is a real problem and it needs, it needs to be sorted most definitely. Um, and I haven't seen enough of the, the under 23s um, to see how many of them could step through. But the point is, is that we absolutely have to have, to my mind, some form of developmental uh, work that's going on. Because if, if, if not, there's no point having an under 23s. So it's an unnecessary expensive unless we're going to be producing team, uh, players for the first team through that route. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, right. That's what pretty much what Tony Day said. He said, should we start planning for the championship next season by blooding in some under-23s? And no doubt one or two of the current first 11 think they're too good for that division will want away. And good riddance to those that do. Um, what do you guys reckon? I think we pretty much nailed that on the head already. So, Tony, thank you very much, mate. Um, Paul Langdon says, players we sign are not of the calibre for this league. Is it time for Duxbury to go? Um, that's from that's from Mr. La- um that's from Mr. Langdon. Um, what do you what do you reckon, boys? Um, do you think the the blame solely is on him or the Potsos? I mean, like we said, we are grateful for what the Potsos have done. You know, we could have been like a Charlton. We could have been gone to the wall as well with the likes of Pasini um, pissing about mm. around our club. But you know, is there a time for Duxbury to be made accountable for some of these things? I think. Part of that for me is, is, yeah, there is some accountability there. I've seen it in other clubs where people have been moved on. Um, and I remember very clearly, to be fair to the man, he gave a very, very honest interview, you know, when we got promoted and said yeah. about learning from mistakes. But I do feel that they haven't necessarily learned from their mistakes. You know, some of the recruitment has been good. You know, when you look back at the opening day of the season, Dennis and Kucho, when he came on, you know, Cooker as well. You know, we looked like we had a, a, a cracking start in the lineup there, and, and and it was a fine, fine day. But as the season's gone on, I don't know. I feel it. It just feels right now, and it's easy to get sort of over emotional because of another defeat and other teams picking up points. But it just feels like there's something a bit flat at the club right now, uh, and it's it's really sad to see. I mean, yesterday when they had the uh, the family stand presentation, that was mm. exactly yeah. what the club 
Now that was beautiful. That choked me up. That was lovely. Uh, and I think, you know, it's kind of a head and heart thing. Your heart feels about the glory days and all the, the, the magical times we've had. We've had many, but but then the kind of the business side of it comes in and says, no, it, it could be better and lessons could have been learned, you know. So mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know what thoughts are, Pete. So Carl Wilson making some great comments and questions and statements there well done carl that's really good stuff um yeah yeah i mean it, it's hard it, it, it it's hard because we don't know where the demarcation lines are in the actual club you know if you read adam leventhal stuff the buck stops with gino gino owns the club gino's not sacking himself so unless you've got a shake to one side who wants to come in I won't probably be following it at that point, you know, personally, because I'd, I'd rather have an identity of the club. But yeah. unless you've got somebody who's basically got an ocean full of cash, Gino isn't going. My understanding was that while Scott has, a, you know, an input and an influence as CEO and chairman, he's the running of the business, right? The business side. The technical director is in charge of the football side. And that's been Philippe Giraldi. And now it's Cristiano Giretta. Um, I said on the, we do like a Twitter spaces with the guys from Do Not Scratch Your Eyes after yeah. the games, uh, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, it might be something that we will look at or, or anybody can kind of talk about is, has Cristiano Giretta been a step up from Filippo Giraldi? Because I, I'm not really sure he has been. I'm not really sure it's been a great improvement. One, in terms of the who is going to come in and replace you know the next head coach and then secondly working with that head coach to to make the most of what there is at the club because as, as we've said already here if you're going from one you know type a manager to type b manager to type a manager to type b manager that continuity isn't going to help you know we talk about that the you know roy's now got the team playing and we're confused as to why people aren't you know, we're saying, look, we need to have loser in next. We need someone to pass the ball. And I think that's entirely fair. But you've also got Sissoko, who up until the Burnley game, OK, you can argue that, you know, basically, if he if he took a shot at goal, me in the upper right hand corner of the stand was in more danger than the net. Fine. <laughs> but he would get around. He would show energy. Yeah. He would show physicality and he would carry the ball forward. Under Roy, he doesn't do that. He stays put as two central midfielders. You stay here. You are a doorman. Your name's not down. You're not coming in. And that's all he does. And that's a dreadful waste of Sissoko, I think. I think we'd rather have him outright, personally, where he could at least carry the ball and do something along those lines. So I think, you know, when push comes to shove, you need to have somebody in that position of looking after the football side of the club who's actually carrying some form of can. And I appreciate we all turn to, to Scott but Scott's in charge of the commercials. Scott's in charge of the ground. Scott's in charge of the development activities. Scott, you know, there's an awful lot that Scott's done right. I'm not yeah. sure. I'm not sure that he or Gino have particularly done well on appointing the technical director. Yeah, that's what I'd rather see. And it was very telling that when they went for for Hodgson, it was Luke Dowling, who was a former technical director that we had, that they approached, because Giretta's contacts are all out in. Bulgaria because he was at CSKA, he was at Empoli, and I think he was at Udinese again about eight years ago. So it's a question of where are their contacts and how good still is the Pozzo scouting kind of mm. mechanism? That's that's the next question because there doesn't seem to be an awful lot of domestic scouting goes on an awful lot. So we'll see. Yeah, Darren, do you reckon Giretta is actually an upgrade on Giraldi? It's a, it's a very fair point. Mm. The jury's out on that right now. I really would. And again, the one thing that I think, been, and we've discussed this before, the one thing that the club continues to let itself down <laughs> is the fans. It just, you know, just communicate to the fans a bit more. Have some honest discussions. You know, and at the end of the day, yeah, if you have made another set of mistakes, okay, people make mistakes in life. You know, we're not expecting anything to be perfect, but just just to get some feedback from from the leadership of the club and where they feel the club will be going in the next five years because th th there is nothing you know and we're left clinging at straws and it's such a shame because it's still just like that whole family standing it is still for me a great club yeah you know, that's the heart taking over 
but it is a great club. It, it's, it's not like any other club in the Premier League. It's a wonderful club as far as I'm concerned. But that kind of communication stuff would go a long way to giving fans an idea of what the plans are. As for the upgrade, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say so. I think um, the one criticism I will have is that since this, this whole time with the Pozos, not enough for me, not enough respect has been made to the to, to, to the English leagues and even the Scottish leagues, right? There, there's talent out there. There is talent out there. And we seem to look overseas. And that's not to say there isn't talent out there too. Obviously there is. And there are bargains to be had in Brazil and other parts of South America. But sometimes it doesn't hurt to look closer to home. And we just don't really see that so much now. So. I think um, giving giving stupid bids for certain players up in Scotland doesn't really help either. I think the, yeah. uh, the we were just being laughed at in the Scot in the SPL. I think with a couple of them. Um, yeah, but, yeah, exactly, mate. Just remember, everyone, we are in association with the former players club. Get over to um, facebook.com forward slash Taylor made players. Um, thank you, ever. Uh, Guys and girls, keep them keep them coming. Fantastic um, feedback from all of you. So, get the comments through. We are flashing every <laughs> single one up as well. Um, I suck him in football manager and I got better technical director. Now he's doing so much better. Well done, Cole. What a legend, mate. Um, he's also here. Yeah, I'll throw Cole's out point. This is the last one before we get to a, a few other things. And Holsey, we have got beer of the week, mate. So just bear with us. Um, he says Newcastle has spent money. I know he's probably on his football manager again, but he says Newcastle has spent money. I know that. That, but today they look so together and the same goes for all the teams around us at the moment. It seems like our players don't want to play for each other and they have given up. What do you lot think? Has the club and the fans given up? What do you reckon, boys? Darren? Yeah, I don't think they've, no, I don't think they've given up. What I think is a huge part of it for me is confidence. And with Newcastle, you see what a win does and then a second win and now after today, a third win, right? Back-to-back -back results. Um, and they got a clean sheet today. They make a big difference. I mean, and let's be fair. We've had a little bit of bad luck when we were up at Burnley. We could have, we could have potentially had a penalty. It didn't happen. I mean, it's under the ball under the bridge now. But if you can just get that first goal, goal in. Sorry, that first goal go in. Then it can change a lot of things. And um, <clears throat> I, I just felt yesterday there was just that tenseness amongst the team, and you could just feel that Brighton at some point were going to get that chance, right? Whereas our guys, when we go forward, there's just that apprehension. And lack of confidence and it's such a huge part of the game uh, that's my thoughts so. I, th I think there's also an aspect of uh, you know to me it looked like a lack of fitness now I appreciate I am in a grass house and I am throwing stones around when I'm talking about somebody's fitness here but in comparison Brighton were going at a tempo that we simply didn't live with and they were doing it technically with the ball and they were also doing it off the ball, you know, I mean, obviously somebody like uh, uh, Lamptey is, is rapid, but, you know, uh, they, they seem to be fitter and prepared to run for each other and have that belief. And it's that that seems to be, be, be missing, could well be linked to the confidence, as you say. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely, mate. I do agree. And uh, is it yesterday the Vic was dead, unlike the Norwich game? Uh, I think I think Dino said because I didn't go. The, the missus um, took the game yesterday, and uh, she was saying the you know Dino was saying the first after the first five minutes. I mean the t the the fans are always behind them for the very very get go, but I think it, they said it went flat after about five ten minutes, and you could tell. I think the nervousness from the crowd sort of seeped onto the pitch with the players. But I've said all all along, you know, there needs to be a two-way thing. I mean, you look at the Norwich game, you look at the atmosphere that was created by the fans. It was unbelievable. And I know there was pressure on the team. And I know Norwich came there. They could sense that and they wanted to shut us up quick because once they did that, then they had us by the, you know, by the knackers, weren't they? And uh, it, it, you know, it just went completely flat there. But yeah, there needs to be there needs to be a bit more from the players as well. I mean, the fans are always known as the twelfth man. We're always going to be behind them, be it you know beyond the TV screen or you know at the ground. We're always going to be we're always going to be hoping that we're going to get a win. Like next game coming up at Villa, we're we're all going to be you know hoping that we can get something at Villa, and then hopefully it doesn't fall flat on its face like it did this week. But um, yeah, I, I still think we've got a chance. I still think we've certainly got a chance. Um, I, I do think Hodgson is the best guy for it. For looking at all the alternatives, I don't think Ranieri. Look, in hindsight now, but I always had that. And I'm not saying this now because people say, oh, well, you can say it now because he's been sacked. But 
if you gave me Hudson or Ranieri at the start, I would have gone to Hudson anyway because he's done it before. Ranieri, fantastic CV um, with top-level clubs. He's won the Premier League, but he's never won a survival battle. That's the one thing out yeah. of the both of them. Yeah. And if someone said now, and I, I, if someone had asked me back then before, and we had literally Hodson and Ranier, and they said, right, before we before we employ him, who do you reckon we'll go for? I'd go for Ray and Roy every time. I think when Hodgson was appointed, a lot of people went, really? And then kind of thought about it for two minutes and went, actually, it makes sense. It does make sense because of, you know, all those things that we've spoken about beforehand, uh, yeah. you know, uh, and the fact that you can turn around and talk Swedish to Ken Semmer. I mean, who else can do that? But it's, <laughs> it, it, th that, that made sense. Whereas exactly as you say, you know, one of the one of the blips on uh, on Ranieri is still quite impressive. You know, it still made sense True. because yeah. you, you think you think culturally he's going to be in alignment with the POTS organisation, you think, yeah. at the time. Obviously, it didn't work. We know that. And hindsight's twenty twenty. So, you know, what yeah. can you do? But uh, no, no, I, I certainly hope to see Roy doing his utmost to uh, to prove me that I'm a pessimistic person. I should have more faith in him. <laughs> exactly, mate. And let's hope that hopefully he can he can prove us right, mate. Prove us right, mate. Definitely. And I, um, and I enjoy. Sorry, I enjoyed Lee's sorry. comment when he said, "No, Sissoko has been rubbish all season. He was still rubbish in the last three games as well." So fair play, Lee. It's all a matter of perspectives and opinions. So I look, I I respect yours very much, sir. Yeah, definitely, mate. Um, Darren, beer of the week, sir. What we got? Oh, um. Colorado. Yeah, from Colorado, and it's called, I get it right, Flat Tire. Flat Tire. Sorry, Fat Tire. Flat Tire. Flat Tire from Colorado. So I'll be opening it in a couple of minutes. So, yeah, it should be good. I'll let Holsey know. I'll get them and open it. It was interesting. One of the fans just there was saying that, you know, Pozos don't have to well, let us know what they're planning to do over the next few years. And, and you know, everyone, that's the whole thing. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. But for me, for, if you're a fan, and Melbourne's I'm in Canada, but you're a, if you're in England and you're a secret older, I'd like to know what the plan is for the club. You know, it's, uh, it's just, I think, you know, what is your strategy, right? So what is your long-term business model? But it's, again, it's all about opinion, so no problem. What's was yeah, it? Um, what a letdown. Where's the ADV? <laughs> he's, he's gutted. Your fan is gutted. <laughs> oh, shocking behaviour, mate. Right, okay. Um, guys and girls, let's get... Um, I think Woody's definitely watching, mate. So I have got a bit of... Um, tasty uh south park news coming up um pete by the way this is our adopted team i think um we'll give moves credit for that and um, we adopted this um team in the south central league south park um obvious <laughs> obvious name was the reason why we done it but um just before i get to that i'll, I'll throw out a couple of fixtures for the watford teams obviously we lost to brighton 2 new yesterday um we've got villa next saturday 3 p.m kickoff obviously we'll be previewing that on Friday night with myself, Chris Sanchez and Super Danny Iron at 8 o'clock. Um, the women's team, unfortunately, lost 2-0 at home to Lewis today. Um, next up um, is a home clash against Sheffield United. That's at Kings Langley Football Club. Um, Alpton Fastness Stadium. That's a 7.30 kickoff next Saturday. So um, we'll obviously throw out a bit of news for that. And um, as we go live, we'll give you latest scores um, from the women's game. So that's next week. Well, obviously, the ticket details will be on watfordfc.com. We will be posted up um, as many times as we can so to make sure you get your tickets for that. Um, the under-23s are in uh, in action tomorrow in the Premier League Cup. Uh, it's away at Birmingham City. That's a 7 o'clock kickoff. We will hopefully be posting up the lineup and score updates for that um, tomorrow evening. So, that's, like I say, that's the under-23s under away at Birmingham City. The under-18s don't play until next Saturday. Um, they are away to Swansea City. That's in the under-18 Pro Development League. That's an 11 a.m. kickoff next Saturday. Right, OK. So, um, I might as well give South Park now because Woody will be getting way too excited for it because I've got all the other local ones. But South Park, mate, honestly, they won 5-0 on Tuesday night, a whopping 5-0 win. So you can sleep well tonight, Woody. Um, it was um, heart, uh, it was at home at Fortress South Park to um, Marlow. Um, they followed up with a 0-0 draw 
at home also to Hamwell Town. So two clean sheets in a row, young man. I think they've got a draw as well. So that's five points in three games. Um, next Saturday, um, the mighty South Park are away to Bedford Sports. Um, town in the South Central Division 1. That's a 3pm kickoff. Um, Danny Irons' local team, um, Stockport Town, his main team is Stockport County. They lost 1-0, unfortunately, at home to Chessant in the FA Trophy fifth round. Um, but they do look to bounce back um, when they're taking a trip to Bromley in the league this Tuesday night. It's a 7 45 um, kickoff. Uh, right, Hemeltown, the mighty Tudors, unfortunately lost to Oxford City 2 0 away in the league. That was yesterday afternoon. Um, next up is a game uh, home to Concord um, Rangers. 3 pm kickoff. That's this coming Saturday. Uh, I believe um, one of our other local teams has got Concord um, Rangers as well. But I'll come up to that very shortly. The Burko uh, beat um, Tame United 2 1 at home yesterday. Next up is a trip on Tuesday night. Uh, they go to Welling Garden City, a short trip over to Welling. 7.45 kickoff, like I say, that's Tuesday night. Uh, the Saints, St. Albans City, were defeated 1-0 at home to Braintree Town yesterday in the league. And they're also in action this Tuesday, 7.45 kickoff. And that's it, the Concord Rangers. So Concord Rangers got St. Albans and Hemel in the next two games. That'll be um, tasty for them. Uh, Chesham United beat Salisbury 2-0 in the league yesterday. I believe that was at home. You can um, shoot me down in flames for that. But also, they have got a home game uh, Saturday uh, against Western Super uh, Supermare, uh, 3pm kickoff. So, uh, yeah, um, Woody, 5-0 to South Park, mate. Come on, get in there. So um, I think they're they're definitely not in the relegation zone, mate. So thank God for that. So we can um, we can all um, rest easy knowing knowing the fact that South Park aren't in danger like the Hornets. Um, right. Okay. So yeah, just a reminder as well um, as before the women's team. We will be post up as much updates as we can. They've made a couple of new signs. If you can um, hop over to the uh, form, if you're already on there, we've got um, a bit of news on the new signing. So um, or the new signing. So. Gifting Noel Williams, the legend, is uh, strengthening further in his bid to um, save them from the drop. So yeah, yeah. Let's uh, good luck, to, good luck to the women. Um, right, okay. The modern the modern day player is too protected. That's certainly right. I'll throw that to you guys. We've got about three or four minutes to go. Um, what's that great come on South Park? Yeah, no, Woody's pleased, mate. That's it. We've made someone pleased here. Um, yes, players are too protected nowadays, but back then, players. Uh, getting mobbed like um, mobbed helps helped with morale. A lot of lads meeting their stars. Uh, great boost to the players. I'll, yeah. I'll put this to you, boys. With the great boost to the players, with that is that that's the case of like we've already said with Jono and Gilligan being in the um, being in the youth setup. And if we had someone like Gibbo and players like that around the coaching setup of the first team, there's that that imprint that you know that um, imprint bedded into the club that runs throughout the. Um, you know, runs through the runs through the age groups, and like I said, the Dutch have done it, the Germans do it. Uh, I think the Italians do it in some ways, don't they? In certain clubs, yeah, yeah, they, they have, they have definitely developed you, you academies. Tell me if I'm wrong, Pete. But no, no, they do, they do, they do. I think, I think, you know, kind of the the, the point there is also about the interface with the community. I mean, there's been several comments here saying that, you know, the club isn't the club that it was. And I appreciate no. people of a certain age are going to keep harking back to the Taylor era all the time. And I appreciate yeah. I'm one of them. Um, you know, and my son goes, oh, really? You're going to tell me about Luther again? Oh, great. You know, uh, it, it, <laughs> it, it has to be done. The reason yeah. being is the fact that these players have to understand, you know, Taylor's ethos was, I, I need to take them in. They need to go shoulder to shoulder with the people who are coming and following them because they're going, look, he goes and works at the print factory all week and he comes and spends his Saturday supporting you. Send yeah. him back to work on Monday with a smile on his face. Um, you know, and we saw what that happened. And we, if you hear, you know, the, the, the interviews from either Watford Legends or all of the guest interviews that they do on Do Not Scratch Your Eyes, the the difference that, especially to the ex-players, I grant you this is ex-players I'm talking about here in the main, how that helps, the, the memory of what they've done and the fact that it was worthwhile and the fact that people still carry it in their hearts and in their memories is massive. If you can get somebody like... Joseph Hungbo or Zinkanago or whoever the player is who's been out on loan and, and suddenly had a kind of a, well, I've been quite treated quite nicely and they come back into the club and there's no connection to the community. Why wouldn't they go at the next stop? Why wouldn't they go somewhere next? 
you know, if you bring them in and you take them out and you introduce them to the community, and as somebody said that, you know, get involved, it helps, you know, it helps, you know, they used to go out and do, go to all of the kids' community stuff that was going on, and there would be the photos and there'd be the autograph signings, and they would be the star for the day, and they'd be coming out feeling 10 foot tall. Um, it was great for the community, it was great for the players, it would be great to see it again. Definitely. I think as well, and I could put this to you, Darren, that I think a lot of people have got fond memories of the 2013 side because you saw them in town, you saw them around yeah. near the pubs and you had that connection. You could go up and talk to them and they knew what it meant to the fans because they were near us. They, you know, we could tell them that. And like um, like Pete says, I arc on about the 80s. I mean, I was only a only little, little boy in the 80s, but I was brought up on that for my dad and my granddad. And so we say force fed it, but it, it rings true. I mean, I force feed my kids on it now. You know, the magnificent Luther, Luther Cali, when Cali comes on, he'll be on in a couple of weeks. He'll be saying about, you know, how the old, you know, the older um, era used to, you know, we used to do it this way, this way, but it should ring true even now. There's little things you can take from the 80s and the 90s that you could, you can implement now, no, no doubt. And like I say, the community thing, is certainly something that we could we could be more prominent with certainly. Well, like for me, so I we emigrated here in July '99. So our last season was the Bolton playoff final at Wembley, which was magic. Yeah. It was fantastic. But Taylor used to, and you remember this. Taylor used to make the players drive to the bottom of the ground and walk up to the pitch, to walk up to the to the ground. And my son Oliver was only he was what about eight or nine then. And we used to stand outside the player's entrance with my camera and with a program. And he had photos with Alex Chamberlain, Robert Page, Tommy Mooney, all these, you know. But it, it meant the world to him as a kid. But it was lovely because you could see it didn't make the players feel good. Mm -hmm. And as an example of how how good it was, so our first I'll be quick, but our first trip back to England was in 2002. And Oliver, my son, used to play in goal, so his hero was Alex Chamberlain. Now, this was in the Viardi era when things weren't so great. Mm -hmm. I wrote to him, and what he done, he said, well, when you come to the game, and it was a horrible game. It was nil-nil at home to Bradford City. It was a shockingly bad game of football. But Alec had arranged after the game for my son and I to come down by the by the players' benches. He came out in his kit. He didn't put his suit in because he said it'd make nicer photo opportunities for him to still be in his kit. Sat there for 15 minutes with my son talking football, goalkeeping, and all that sort of stuff. Now, if you're a little kid, that memory, that never leaves you. No. But at the same time, the player, you just, it's a beautiful thing to give that, to share that experience, right? And those are the sort of things. What really does irk me in the modern game, home or away teams, the coaches pull up, the players get off with their bloody headphones on. They might sign a couple of autographs, but really that whole communication has gone. You know, whereas we had something special there. And I know it wasn't just for my son and myself, it was for a lot of, lot of families. It was very unique. And that kind of thing, we, I don't know. I mean, I know we live in a different era and everything else, but it's ironic with all these communities around us, we don't seem to be able to speak to each other quite so clearly as we did in the old days. So. <laughs> that is priceless it's a it's a fair cup it's a fair cup but um i i think you you mentioned about 2013 and you know we we bought over suddenly a load of players and you know the martin samuels and all of the people in the press were going oh they're bringing all these yeah they've lost their identity and you you hadn't because you got poodle and you've got alman abdi and you got forestier and you got all of these players who just went, wow, this isn't like playing in Italy, where I cannot go out if we lose. If, if we lose or if whatever happens, I can still go out. I can still live my life. And actually, you know, I think it was Angela came out and said, we might not have the loudest fans because, you know, the, the 1881 wasn't created at the time. And it's, well, you know, yeah. but, but what they do is they don't get on our backs. If it's not going well, they try and help and support us. Richarlison even when he was interviewed in, in Brazil, came out and uh, uh, and he was talking about one of the Man City 6-0 drubbings, you know, I mean, they've just fallen into a number now. Um, yeah. And he was being interviewed by the Brazilian press and he, he said, yeah, we lost 6-0. And they went, oh, well, I presume everybody, you know, kicked off and, you know, was ready to lynch you. And he went, no, they they were they were really, they cheered us off. They knew that we tried. Yeah. And it's that effort. And, you know, coming back to Lee's point, he doesn't really care about the engagement stuff. He wants to see some effort. He wants to see a good team play. You know, exactly. that that's... 
it can still be it's still there the essence of the club is still there we just need to not let that particular bit drop except for Lee who doesn't care about it <laughs> right guys and girls we are we're on our way now but thank you ever so much Darren thank you ever so much mate Pete thank you very much for coming on again Pleasure. um just be, just before we go quickly plug your channel mate uh, Uorns TV on uh, on YouTube. Thanks for that. Um, we basically put on all of the stuff that we've been talking about. So there's loads of um, archive footage. We we try and put a little bit of stuff around each game so that there's a bit of context. We do some reviews of players. There's some there's a load of cartoon stuff. Obviously we do with with do not scratch your eyes. Um, and uh, the the latest thing, as I say, is the boot room. So if you really want to uh, pour over the stuff that I was talking about earlier on, it's only four minutes because I really couldn't make it any more for anybody to have to sit through uh you can see how how i think we've played and you can uh put your points on on any of it stick it in the comments but thank you yeah cheers mate no thank you ever so much so yeah hop on over to um you on tv and show much love for pete um in his channel um guys and girls um thank you like i say thank you very very much i will see you on friday night um like i said already with myself uh super danny iron and chris hanchett if we can drag him uh from his car we'll get him on as well so we'll preview the game on Saturday, uh, so very, very crucial game. So we'll get all your opinions, uh, lineup predictions, score predictions, and everything else in between. There's no point getting my prediction because I say two one every week anyway. So um, that's just it's just boring on my part. But um, as always, you've been beautiful. We've been TMA. It's good night from Darren. Yeah, it's good night from Pete. <laughs> and it's good night from Pidge. Oh, he's over there. Hey, he's oh, got it. He's got it. Good uh, man. Went the wrong way. Went the wrong way. Not for the first time. Hey, see you later, guys. <laughs>